Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murda Show and Podcast. As always, we have an exciting show for you tonight. I have a wonderful guest. I've been waiting for months to bring him on stage, and I'm super excited to have him. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest, and we're just going to dive right into it, okay? So my guest tonight is celebrity guest Jeff Steinberg. He is a giant, not in statue, but in faith, in heart, and determination. Even though he was born with no hands and malformed legs, he has been living on purpose every day and bringing God's word of hope, strength, perseverance to audience across the world. He refused to quit. He's a true overcomer. He continues to accomplish the very things his family and friends insisted he couldn't do, shouldn't do, or wouldn't do. Jeff is a speaker, he's a humorist, he's a singer, he's an author with a very special message. A real handicap is anything that keeps me from being or becoming all that I was created to be. Jeff Steinberg is a recipient of the prestigious 2015 Artist Music Guild Heritage Award for Comedian of the Year. He is living proof that the least likely person can accomplish the most extraordinary things. So join us tonight as we talk to Jeff about his struggles, his triumphs, and his wins right here on Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. Jeff Steinberg, the tiny giant. This tiny giant at four feet, six inches tall, has the most unique message for you, your ministry, family, and your community. His message, quit focusing on the handicap and start appreciating the gift. Like it should, when the colors start blending, shapes begin forming. Begin to see the master design. Jeff grew up mostly in hospitals and homes for the handicapped, including Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm a masterpiece in progress. He is still working on me. I may not look like it yet. Jeff Steinberg is a masterpiece in progress, and he wants you to know it. He sees his disabilities as assets not liabilities. Won't be too long till I'm done a few more strokes of the brush and the master's touch. He has performed for a variety of audiences and has appeared on variety TV shows, including sharing the stage with Zig Ziglar, Pat Boone, Christopher Salem, Justin Dart, Daniel Moore, Bob Doe, and so many more. He can see sometimes the colors are bright ones, sometimes they're dark ones. They're all a part of what he has planned. He'll complete what he In his distinctive style, using humor and song, Jeff shows us that each person is wonderfully created to be awesome and wonderful, with potential they never even dreamed possible. I may not look like it yet. You better bet I'm becoming all he wants me to be. I'm a masterpiece in progress now. Won't be too long till I'm done. 
Jeff Steinberg, a most unique ministry singer, speaker, author, motivational entertainer, and ADA consultant. Peace in progress. Jesus is working on me. I may not look like it yet. You better bet I'm becoming all he wants me to be. Jeff Steinberg, husband, father, and grandfather. Won't be too long till I've done a few more strokes of the brush and the master's touch. I'll be Join us this Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we talk to Jeff about his struggles, his triumphs, and his victories. Right here on the Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch Show and Podcast. You're a masterpiece, and you're a masterpiece, and you... And you're a masterpiece, and me, I'm a masterpiece of progress, yeah. Welcome to Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. We hope that by the end of our show, you're left feeling empowered, motivated, and connected. So come on in the room, grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Because you're finally at home at Kiever's Place. Now give it up for our host and producer, Coach Kiever Lernice Murdoch. And we are back. Welcome again to Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. I hope watching this introduction, you guys have been inspired and you are just as ready as I am to meet Jeff Steinberg. So let's not hold you up any longer. Bring it to the stage, the one, the only Mr. Jeff Steinberg. How are you, King? Ta-da! <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me, Keeper. Oh my gosh, Jeff, we have been waiting, like I said, what, months? We had you booked since like, what, end of January, February? February. It was February when we were booked. Yeah. I, I'm just excited that it's finally here. It just means that the year is almost half over. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that. Yes, you are so right. We were talking about that earlier. We're halfway to Christmas almost, and it seemed like the year just started. <laughs> Wow, this is wonderful. I am so glad. I Hey, I your introduction and everything, I'm impressed. I can't wait to see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Listen, I had to make sure that we did our due diligence and brought you in with flash and style because that exactly, you, you're just phenomenal. So let's actually dive into the show and talk about Jeff a little bit. So Jeff, I know that you have endured so much and what impresses me is that you do not, you do not give yourself a pity party. Like since I have known you, you are one man that have endured so much and we're going to talk about that, but you do not 
uh, give yourself a pity party and you do not allow others to throw you pity parties? Where do you find such strength and tenacity and just the um, the will to just keep pushing through? Well, to tell you the truth, as a kid, I pushed through because I didn't want to be left out of anything. I was, uh, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I was, I was a thalidomide baby. I don't know if your audience knows much about thalidomide, but back in 1948, this drug came in from into the United States, into the northeastern part of the United States from England. And it was an experimental drug that was used to help women who were pregnant to hold their pregnancy. If they were spotting, if there were nerves, if there was, you know, any kind of uh, problems that has to do with keeping the pregnancy. And this drug would boost the mother's immune system. Now, it did all of all that it was promised to do and more because babies born with thalidomide, you know, as a result of thalidomide, also had limb deficiencies. They had, uh, uh, you know, sometimes missing joints or shortened limbs or, you know, the sky's the limit. And so um, I was born with no arms. I have nothing on the left side. I have only about uh, six inches on my right side, maybe six to eight inches on my right side. And that supports my artificial arm. And my left leg doesn't straighten completely. Um, it about uh, 85 degrees. And my right leg doesn't bend at all because uh, when I was born, both of my legs were kind of scissored crisscrossed, kind of like you ever watch the old Westerns and the Indians that would sit in a powwow and they pull their legs up against each other. Well, that's kind of the way I was born. And so the, um, they didn't think I was going to live. And my mother didn't know about my disability until I was uh, nearly 17 months old. And, uh, she didn't see me for the first time until I was almost two years old in a children's welfare shelter in Philadelphia. My grandmother told my mom uh, in the kitchen one day, she said, Jeffrey, she said, uh, Ruthie, she said, he's alive. And my mom, who was dicing something for dinner, set the knife down. And just leaned against the counter and said, why won't they let me see him? Is he ugly? And I think she thought I was facially deformed. Mm. You know, kind of like, uh, like uh, uh, Down syndrome, for example. And, um, but my grandmother got up and she walked over to my mom and she put her arm around her and she said, no, Ruti, he's not ugly. He's beautiful. He has a Yiddish cup, a Jewish head, a Jewish face. When she came to see me for the first time, she picked me up and she held me to herself and she paced the floor back and forth, back and forth. 
back and forth. And then she turned, she put me back where she found me, swung around and stood as tall as her four foot eight frame would hold her, looked at my father and said, Irving, take me home. I'm ready to leave now. Kiever, it would be many years later and many tears later before my mom and I would come to terms on the subject. And she would look me in the eye and she would tell me, Jeffrey, I did not nurse you. I did not raise you. I didn't even know how to love you. Wow, that'll make your day. Have your tell you she doesn't know how to love you. Wow. So I I was in Shriners Hospital for about five and a half years. I had multiple surgeries to straighten my legs, uh, to skin grafts on my stump, so that it could be ready to fit me with my first prosthesis. And that was strictly a stump socket with a spoon attached on the end that had like a rocker thing so that I could learn to feed myself with my feet. And I was in and out of Shriners until I was about eight years old from the time I was about two, two and a half years old until I was about eight. And then um, one day the doctors came and they looked at me and they said, Jeffrey, we're going to send you home. We can't do anything more with you until you stop growing. So I looked Dr. Moore in the eye and I said, give it a week. <laughs> Did that turn out to be true? <laughs> well, maybe. Just a slight exaggeration. Two weeks. <laughs> I got to go home and it was a dream come true. It was what I, it was what I looked for, what I longed for was to be a brother to my three sisters and to be a, a son and a grandson. Things don't always go the way you plan though. And so um, I only got to live at home about a total of nine months. It got to be too hard for my mom to take care of me and three girls. It was the girls that were the problem. It's always the girls that are the problem. You know, you know, mom, I don't have anything to wear. Mom, you know, what dress should I wear? What color shoes? I don't have any shoes. You know, that kind of stuff. But it was harder because my mom had to do more for me. And that was difficult. And so... Um, I was placed as a ward of the state of Pennsylvania because I was born in Philadelphia. And the uh, I was placed into a foster home and I lived there for about eight weeks. And then one day the foster mom came to me and said, Jeffrey, we're going to get you ready because your dad and mom are going to come and pick you up. Now, I thought I was going to go back home. That's all I wanted. But instead, they drove me 63 miles away to a home for kids with disabilities and old people called Good Shepherd Home in Allentown, Pennsylvania. You heard of Allentown from the Billy Joel song. You know, we're living here in Allentown. Right. 
Well, I I uh, I remember sitting in Dr. Raker's big padded chair, sliding around in that soft leather. And I remember listening to my mom and dad talk to him as if I wasn't even in the room, thinking, what are we doing, you know? And then they took me up to where my room would be and unpacked my things. And I remember running to the window and watching as they walked outside and, you know, I kept looking at the window saying, don't leave me here. I want to go home. I'll be good thinking to myself that I had just been left. And it was, it was very hard. But don't feel sorry for me. You see, it was while I was living at Good Shepherd that I made some wonderful friends, Ricky Bachman, Curtis Peterson, guys that lived at Good Shepherd, and then one day I met this couple. And in August of 1962, I was 11 years old in a camp meeting in South Central Pennsylvania. Jeffrey David Steinberg, a little Jewish boy from Philadelphia with an attitude, a little one gave my life to Jesus and he became my Messiah and I became his masterpiece. Mm. Now, I wish I could say everything was easy from that point on and life just rocked right along, but truth be told, there were a lot more struggles to come. But I learned to do all kinds of things with my feet. I learned to write with my feet. Can you write with your feet, Kiefer? No, I cannot, and I've never tried. <laughs> I used to suck my big toe. I even, I even learned to feed myself with my feet. Wow. Can you feed yourself with your feet? I, I probably cannot. <laughs> Can you get your feet to your mouth? I've never tried, but let me tell you something. Since I have gotten older, Jeff, I have... Um, put on some weight in some places. I used to be extremely limber and <laughs> I doubt if I can bring my feet up to my mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I was told you were pretty good at putting your feet in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. So much for getting booked in your church. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna still have you though. But Jeff, I just have to say First of all, you have just unloaded a lot. You you really have. And, you know, I thoroughly understand that you've had a very, um, I won't even say traumatic. I know that it was, you know, especially feeling abandoned by your family and not really as a kid, not really understanding, you know, why. So I just wanted to find out, first of all, you were saying that your mom did not know about you until you were about two. Did she think that you had died doing childbirth? Well, that's that's the trick. You know, you can keep a secret in a hospital for a long time with a little help from the staff. Mm -hmm. And 
my father was told by the doctors at uh, Einstein Northern Hospital that they didn't think I was going to survive. Well, his rationale was, well, if he's not going to live, then let's not tell her until we know for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he did my mom a disservice, to be honest. I think he uh, cheated her out of what she needed in order to be a survivor and in order for her to cope with the hurt and the struggle. Yeah. Truth, and is, truth is, you never, ever win in a situation like that by covering it up or lying. And my my dad, whenever my mom would ask about it, you know, there were answers like, well, there have been complications and we're waiting for tests and we're waiting for results of more tests. And before you know it, days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months because they're trying to figure out. And a couple of times when they started to do surgery, I almost died. In fact, uh, because I'm Jewish and because I of the region of the country where my or of the world rather where my family comes from, uh, I have an allergy to uh, the drug ether, which was used widely at the time as an anesthetic to, you know, knock you out for surgery. Except that when they put the ether on mask on me my eyes would roll back in my head my skin would turn ash white my lips would turn blue and they would have to stop whatever they were doing and administer 100 percent oxygen in order to try to get me back well they lost me twice until they finally figured out that they could do the surgeries with sodium pentothal back in the day and so um that's, you know, my dad was just, you know, the old Indiana Jones line where he says, uh, I'm making this up as I go. Well, that's pretty much the way my dad felt. You know, he was in a battle that he had absolutely no experience telling him how to win. And my mom's, you know, after a while, she started to think to herself, well, maybe out of sight, out of mind. Maybe if whatever it is they're not telling me is so bad that maybe it would be better if it had died. You know what? And I must say, I mean, being and I just imagine they were probably young parents at the time. Do you know how how many children were affected? during that that time um, with that same condition that you were born with? There are thousands of kids that were thalidomide babies. And, oh. and uh, but thalidomide only stayed in the United States from 1948 until about 1953, when it finally was outlawed and it went up into Canada. And that's why a lot of the thalidomide babies that you might know about uh, are Canadian. Okay. Um, I knew a couple. Um, some of them were musicians, played the guitar with their feet or, 
or uh, sang or whatever. And, um, you know, everybody says, well, I feel really bad for you because. Well, don't feel bad for me. Let's see. I'm a singer. I'm a speaker. I'm a comedian, humorist. By the way, I was also uh, awarded that same Artist Music Guild Award in 2015 and 2019. Oh, okay. And I was nominated several years in between for different other awards from the Artist Music Guild. But, but the point is that I'm a singer, I'm a speaker, I'm a comedian humorist, I'm an author. I have a book called Masterpiece in Progress. It is my autobiography. And it's available on Kindle, and it's available on our website, and it's available also on audible.com. If you like listening to books on Audible, that's a great way. Um, and I'm also a husband and a father and a grandfather. And, oh, by the way, I drive a car. And for a while in my life, I was even a rideshare driver. You know, Uber, Lyft. Mm-hmm. Now imagine the look on a businessman's face as he gets in the front of my car, takes a look at my hook on the wheel. He, I knew, I knew the instant I saw him what his handicap was. Kiever, he had an Armani suit on. That's his handicap. You see, he looked at me. He didn't say hi, how are you? Drop dead, go away, nothing. He said, he looked at me and he said, were you born like that? Wow. I said, without the hook, I said, that would really hurt. <laughs> my mom would not be happy. This is going to tear a little. <laughs> Gives a whole new meaning to the phrase, clawing your way out. Right? <laughs> I would just imagine you have gotten so many questions or looks or just do you find that to be people's other people's curiosity? Do you find some of those comments to be insensitive? Because no. you know no, not a bit. curious, but do that do you ever consider them as crossing the line sometimes with their curiosity? No, because because it doesn't matter how much duct tape you have. Duct tape will not fix stupid. <laughs> but the I truth heard is, that. <laughs> yeah, I had I, I had a five year old came up to me and pointed to my hook and wanted to know why I didn't have any hands. And without even thinking, I looked at him and said, "I used to bite my fingernails, and one day I went too far." <laughs> He's in trauma therapy still. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> my, my, my wife's favorite story. You'll love this. My wife's favorite story. I, 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 anytime my wife is with me in concert, she says, you've got to tell the restaurant story. Now, when we come to your church, we will, as is our custom, you know, following the service, the pastor takes us out to eat. You know, and... Uh, um, there was a bunch of us this one particular time in Indiana many years ago when um, the pastor took us out to eat and about 13 to 15 people all went to the same restaurant and a bunch of them sat at the same table. 
So this waitress comes over and she kind of, you know how waitresses are. She kind of shifts herself so she's standing kind of with her hip out like, you know, like, yeah, what do you want? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and she looks at me and she looks at my assistant, Jeff Rudloff, who was my keyboard player at the time. She looks at me and she looks at him. She looks at me and she looks at him. She looks at me. She looks at him. And she goes all the way around the table, starting with him and takes everybody's order in turn. Comes back around. Stands in exactly the same spot, looks at me, looks at him, looks at me, looks at him, looks at me, looks at him, looks at me, turns to him and says, and what would he like? Oh, wow. And my friend of more than 50 years looked up at her and said, well, why don't you ask him? So she did. Just like I was deaf and stupid and what would you like another waitress would be nice <laughs> i know right but i was good kiever i was good i was really 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 good it like to killed me to be good yeah and being a shy quiet mostly serious-minded, mostly spiritually-minded person that I am, I looked up at her and I said, I would like take. Jeff, you did not. When she was done wiping herself down, I said, I'll give you a $10 tip if you can tell me what I do for a living. To which she replied, I don't have a clue. To which my friend responded, that's for sure. So I'm all set to tell her that I'm a singer and I'm a humorist and I'm, all the things I told you. When all of a sudden, my best friend of more than 50 years reaches over, grabs a hold of my hook until it points toward the ceiling and announces to everybody, God and everybody at the table and says, he's a professional coat hanger. <laughs> to which the waitress replied, really? I said, no, ma'am, I'm a brain surgeon and you're my next patient. Hop up. <laughs> and you I think I'm handicapped. <laughs> I hope she learned her lesson, though, but I can just imagine, I mean, you getting comments or anything like that. But I love the way that you use your natural born talents and humor just to teach and educate and inspire Jeff. Oh, my God. So what what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back and we're going to actually dive into your speaking engagements and find out exactly how people can book you for their church corporations and anything like that so listen folks we are not done yet with the jeff steinberg i'm telling didn't i tell you we were going to have a great time tonight so i'm super excited to have them so don't go anywhere we will be right back and we will continue our conversation with mr steinberg so don't go anywhere stay tuned are you looking for a natural boutique? Then look no more. Kiever's the natural choice boutique and gift shop located in Camden, South Carolina. 
all natural products, ranging from deodorants, natural soaps, natural hair and skincare products, and everything that you need. But wait, there's more. At Kiever's, you can also get women apparel, handbags, women's shoes, and jewelry. Visit us today at Keepers, the natural choice, boutique, and gift shop. And be sure to follow us at Keepers Boutique and visit us in person at 2639 Suite D, Broad Street, Camden, South Carolina. Or visit our website at www.keeversboutique.com. Welcome to Inner Peace and Serenity with your host, speaker, coach, facilitator, Jeannie Muhammad. Join us every first Thursday of the month, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we talk everything self-improvement. So take back your pen, take back your life, right here on Kiva's Place. We are living in a digital age, and we think it's safe to say that all businesses are needing to transition from traditional brick and mortar to broadcast. Everything is really about data collection and building a community. EasyWay Broadcasting has created a social network slash solution provider within the EasyWay network to help its members with this transition. Introducing the EasyWay Wall of Fame, a one-stop shop for business owners and influencers that help them to connect, grow, learn, and scale the easy way. Over the years, we have been building affiliates and partnerships in all genres. That means our platform utilizes all our members' businesses to provide services at a much lower cost, help sell their service, and promote their awareness to more potential customers. Through our new media empire, we have a reach to millions. Become an affiliate. Make money doing it the easy way. Create your free account today by visiting easywaywalloffame.com. Accelerate your influence through direct access to the right influencers. We have many TV shows that our members can be interviewed by. We have our own magazine and radio station to promote our Easy Way Wall of Fame members' profiles, which they control. The more friends you get, the bigger your business will grow. Join the Easy Way Wall of Fame community for free today. Hey everyone, this is Kiasha Hill, transformational life coach and author of 30 Days of Different Ways to Love Me. You're currently watching Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch show and podcast. Please stay tuned. So much more to come. And welcome back, family, to Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch show and podcast. So I hope you are enjoying our show so far. If you are, give us a thumbs up and let Jeff know that you are definitely in the house and supporting him tonight. We greatly appreciate you. And also, we're going to drop his contact information. So I want you, family, to definitely reach out to him. And we're going to talk about how you can do that and why you would want to do that. So let's go ahead and bring him back to the stage so we can we can finish our conversation tonight. So welcome back, Jeff. We're super I'm excited that you are still hanging in there with us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. By the way, I I saw the ad for the uh, Easy Way Wall of Fame. I'm on the wall. 
I've been hung there for months. <laughs> In fact, I've been hung there for over a year. It's hard, man. I just leave my hook and walk away. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? We we share all the time about the Easy Way Wall of Fame. What can you say really briefly about the Wall of Fame that has been beneficial to you? I met you. Exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs> and vice versa, right? Yeah, and I met Tina Ramsey and yes. uh, and and Eric Zuli, and uh, he's he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, you know, and you, you get connected with people who are forward thinkers mm -hmm. and who aren't going to be, you know, deterred by circumstance. One of the things that I tell people: don't let your circumstance define you you know there, there's two things you need to know when you're talking about who you are and one is don't introduce yourself as oh well i'm kiever murda a tv host or i'm jeff steinberg the singer or jeff steinberg the motivational speaker or preacher singer speaker tv host that's what you do, but it's not who you are. And a lot of times we mistake our identity for our vocation. Mm -hmm. So if we fail in our vocation, guess what happens? We start to feel bad and like a failure as a person. You've got to keep who you are separate from what you do. And then the second thing is don't let your circumstance define you i am not the kid with no arms i am not defined by my limitations or my disabilities but if i'm careful and prudent i can let my circumstances refine me make me better make me stronger make me more focused. Uh, Mark Twain said that the, the two most important questions in a person's life is, who am I and why am I here? And if you don't like who you are, I can tell you for a fact, nobody's going to want to buy what you're selling. But if you yeah, can look, I want to ask you. Go ahead. I just wanted to ask you really briefly how or when, rather, when did you find out who you were that really catapulted you into being able to speak life into other people? So, when, at what point in your life did you make that transition? It started when I was 11 and I met that couple that took me to the camp meeting because they saw something in me that even I didn't see. So I was focused on being rejected. I was focused on my parents leaving me. I was focused on, you know, when I first got to Good Shepherd, my mom and dad would come to visit me every Sunday. Then after a while, it started to turn into every couple of weeks and then it turned into maybe once a month and then it turned into once every several months 
because my mom had a hard time dealing with um, this failure she thought she was. My father felt it was a failure of his male genes because after I was born, I was the only boy. He had two other girls after that, and I'm the second of four, and I'm the only boy. So, you know, it's, you know, I kept hearing my mom talk to me about, you know, well, you got to play it safe, and you got to be careful, and I didn't want to play it safe. I wanted to be like other kids and play in the street and, you know, and have fun. When, when I was at home, I became kind of the unspoken topic of conversations. You know, my mom and dad, they didn't really, you know, talk about it out loud, but I knew what they were, what they were thinking. And it was this Christian couple. We became friends. I started spending weekends with them and going to church with them. And they were singers. And they would do weekends, and so I would go with them. And then eventually they started to invite me to come and sing with them. And they would have me sing a solo or whatever, and they would introduce me to pastors. And one day she looked at me and she said, you know, Jeff, if you're not very careful, you're going to, you know, I believe you're going to become a preacher. So I was really careful to make sure that didn't happen. <laughs> but it did anyway. And I started out singing gospel music. And then I met a young man by the name of Jeff Rudloff who started writing music. And first couple of years, it was pretty much really good gospel music. And as we started to talk, and Jeff is a genius. He's a piano player. He sang tenor. I hate people like that. Kiever, if you ever want everybody to think you're a genius, hang around people who are smarter than you and let them help you to get along, you know, and that makes you look a whole lot smarter. <laughs> so one day we were in California and we had been spending a week in California and I was speaking at this Baptist church. I was the guest speaker and singer. And I was doing a series that week called All That I Can Be, I Can Be, Learning and Living God's Unique Design. And one night in that series, I said to the audience, each of us is like a masterpiece becoming one color at a time all that god had designed for us to be and sometimes the colors blend perfectly and other times they stand in harsh contrast up against each other we finished the week we got home on sunday night and monday night i got a telephone call and Jeff said, I need to come over and use your piano. I said, okay. He said, I've got the title song for your next album. I said, really? Now, as long as I had known Jeff, he almost never 
would let me in on what the lyrics were or what the melody was or anything about it until he had sat down and actually worked it all out. But this particular night, Kiever, he said, we're still on the phone. He says, you want to hear the lyrics? I said, okay. Yeah. When an artist starts painting on a blank piece of canvas, it doesn't always look very good. You're wondering what it's going to be like when it's done, if it's ever going to look like it should. When the colors start blending and shapes begin forming, you begin to see the master design. When the last stroke is painted and the brush is laid down, it's exactly what he had in mind. I'm a masterpiece in progress. He is still working on me. I'm a masterpiece in progress. I'm becoming all that he wants me to be. I'm a masterpiece in progress, and it won't be too long till I'm done. A few more strokes of the brush and the master's touch, and I'll be in the image of the sun. Mm. He said, that's the song. I mean, there's more. There's, you know, there's a second verse. When you look at me, you'll see a half-finished picture, pieces of what I'm going to be. Um, but God is not finished with me yet. I'm becoming all he wants me to be. Sometimes the colors are dark ones, others, and I don't, I, if I'm not singing it, I can't, you know, you know how that is. But, but the point is, he had just laid out for me the message. And when he left me, I had a trio, when our trio broke up in 1979, I didn't think I could make it with tracks. I was so used to having keyboard players and background singers. And all of a sudden I started to hear the voice of the father saying to me, I've got a different kind of message for you. Let the other preachers talk about going to heaven, streets of gold, walls of Jasper, gates of pearl, you know. And I'm like, I don't even know what Jasper looks like. <laughs> He said, my message to you isn't about going to heaven. My message through you is what are you going to do while you're here? This is what I gave you. What are you going to do with the masterpiece I made out of your life? And that's where I started. A, a friend of mine, Gordon Jensen, wrote a song in 1979 that I recorded called The Glove. Lord, let me be the glove you wear to show someone you care. This is all I ask as you perform your task. Lord, let me be the glove you wear. And I started to meet people like Zig Ziglar. And I started to meet people like John and Greg Rice, the identical twins that were midgets. And I started to meet people like Mary Crowley. And I started to, to, to realize that God had given me a message that goes beyond the walls of the, and the doors of the church to where hurting people live, where, where people are wounded by what they think they see when they look in the mirror or what they think they can be based on their limitations. I'm working on a book right now, and the book is going to be called Some Assembly Required. 
See, because when I get undressed at night, I take my arm off and I lay it on the floor by the bed and I take my leg off and I stand it up by the by my arm, you know, against the closet. And I'm not half the man you think I am. So the idea being that the cover is probably going to have pictures of all of my prosthetics and me standing over looking at them, you know. But the idea is that you got to put all the pieces of your life back together. And maybe along the way, you'll start to see the masterpiece. I love that. That is so powerful. That is so powerful, Jeff. And I appreciate your ministry because it's so many people that's in tough situations that are really quick to fall into just that mindset of woe is me. And it's funny, you were talking about your ministry in the aspect of speaking life and speaking over others and letting them know that you are not what you're going through and you are not your circumstances. And it's so interesting because I just had a conversation with, with somebody just the other evening about that very same topic. You know, they are so down on their luck because of health issues and things they're going through. And I just had that same conversation with them that look, there's there's so many others that's worse off than we are. So even when we think we're at our worst, I guarantee you there's somebody else that's worse off than you. So I just appreciate your message. And that's been my that was that was my father's message to me. Mm-hmm. He would look at me I don't know if he believed it, Kiever, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if he really, truly believed it, but he would always tell me, Jeffrey, never say I can't until you've tried. Because the difficult we do right away, the impossible takes a little longer. You never know what you can do until you try. And that brings me to the second point of my book, in my book. You got to recognize not only your abilities, but also your limitations and your disabilities. The guy who wants to get up and brag about all the things he can do, and I can do anything, and I can do everything. Let me tell you something. We can't do anything and everything. And the guy who says there is nothing I can't do or can't accomplish it. You know, what's the old adage? Uh... Uh, just because you live in a garage doesn't make you a Cadillac. You know, the the added, the old the old um, if you think you can, you probably can. Well, that's not necessarily true. I've always wanted to be Superman. I've always wanted to be able to fly. But I'll be doggone if I'm going to step out on a ledge just on on, on just because I think I can. My, you have to acknowledge what you can do, but you also have to acknowledge what you can't. And here's, here's a good way to see it. My limitations are the things that I cannot do. For example, I need help taking a bath. I need help getting dressed. I need help with certain other things. If you book me to come and speak in your church or for your organization, I will be traveling with at least one, maybe two other people because I need assistance doing things that others maybe can do easily. But that doesn't stop me. Now, my limitations are the things I cannot do. 
But bear in mind, you still have to look at the things you can. And I've never let anybody tell me I can't. You know, my mother tried to tell me to stay in Good Shepherd and play it safe because what if you get hurt? You can get hurt staying home playing it safe. The point is, you got to know what all that you can be, you must be. When you know what the possibility is, it no longer becomes an opportunity, it becomes a mandate. Because otherwise you're settling for less. And less should never be good enough. And then there's the third one. Why am I here? I asked that question in a prison in England. And a man who looked like the actor, the late Michael Clark Duncan, remember him from the Green Mile? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, this guy had arms the size of tree trunks. He had his T-shirt wrapped around a pack of smokes and his bulging muscles and his arms were crisscrossed. And he was looking at me and I came into the audience and, you know, I kind of, you know, there's a line in the song I do that says you got to fight a little harder, you got to push a little more. So what did I do? He looked at me like, don't even think about it. So I didn't even think about it. I just did it without thinking. I started, you know, you got to give it everything you got to get. And I started pushing on it. Everybody around the room going, ah. And then it occurred to me, I probably just pushed the baddest man in the prison. And for what seemed like forever was only a few beats in the song. And the biggest, widest, whitest grin came across his face. And a voice in my head said, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the stage. I finished the song. And I did something at the end of the presentation that I rarely ever do anymore. I threw it open for questions. Immediately, his hand went in the air. And immediately, my head turned elsewhere. Because I didn't want to mess with him. But there was no getting away. So I finally looked at him and he said, why are you here? Why are you in my prison? And I looked him in the eye and I said, sir, I said, look over your left shoulder. You see that window over your left shoulder with the bars? And every head turned around to look at that window. He said, yes. I said, do you see that razor wire wrapped around the barbed wire fence on the other side of the window with the bars? Yes. I said, in an hour, I'm going to be on the other side of that fence. And you're still going to be in jail. I said, so I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm here to tell you that you can go back to your 12 by 12 cell, look in the mirror above the sink next to the toilet in your 12 by 12 cell, and you never have to see a criminal or a convict again. You can see redemption. You can see a masterpiece. That's why I'm here. 
I'm, I'm moving fast because I know we're running out of time. Fourth question, what are my limits and my boundaries? You know, I said my limitations are the things I cannot do. My limits are the things I will not do. I will not sell my name or my morality for a gig or a dollar. And without boundaries, we're liable to have to do it over again just to get it right. Because we didn't recognize the limits and the boundaries. And then finally, what kind of a mark will I leave behind for having been here? Every day, we leave a mark. Remember that prisoner? Short version of the story is that night, he went down in the common room and with a bunch of the guys that were in that same chapel service that we were in, he, gave, he made a commitment to faith. Eight weeks later, after only ever talking about the little man with no arms that got up in his face and changed his life and his newfound faith, eight weeks later when he walked out of that prison, I found out years later that he had become he had gone back to Nigeria and become a pastor. Wow. We leave a mark. And every day we touch somebody's life. The question is, what are you gonna do about it? Book me. Bring me to your church, bring me to your organization, and let me inspire your people. Because that's what I want to do. I'll make them laugh. I'll make them sing. I'll even make them cry. But they'll walk away saying, if he can do what he does with what he's got, I can do more with what I've got. I love it. I love it, Jeff. Hold me. Yes, I love it. Let's actually drop them your um, contact information. So listen, you guys, I would strongly encourage you to book him we are actually in the process now of trying to get him as well this man has traveled the world and i'm going to just pop a couple of pictures on the screen i i have um, done that as you were speaking so i know jeff that you have been across the globe northern ireland right there that was in and, and that yeah that was northern ireland wow and then the next one that you showed that's in england wow and I know that you have done prisons, churches. So if they are wanting to get in contact with you to um, to get you booked, listen, you guys, there's a couple of numbers that you can reach Jeff, Jeff's team. Dial 901-754-5333. And 5333 stands for Jeff. That's his first name. So 901-754-JEFF or 901-230-JEFF, okay? That will get you pretty much directly in contact with his team so that he can come out and minister to your uh, church, to your organizations. Jeff will travel wherever. You can also go to his booking site at booking at jeffsteinberg.net. Again, that's booking at jeffsteinberg.net. He's on social media. You can find him on Facebook at Jeff Steinberg. So please get in contact with him. I assure you, I hope you all have enjoyed him as much as I have. 
like he said he keeps me cracking up he keeps me laughing but he just pours into your spirit as well he comes with such genuineness like he really wants to help those who are struggling with their situation so definitely reach out to him get him booked get him traveling i know things are starting to open up so he is willing to go anywhere so definitely reach out to him and get him on your book so that we can start inspiring we can start motivating we can start teaching we can start just um empowering those who may not be where we are physically spiritually and emotionally jeff is a father i know we are we're running out of time but i definitely wanted to pop some pictures up of your beautiful family you have a wife and when he said nothing stopped him he understands his limitation, but this man is married. He has a wife, he has children, and he has grandchildren. So definitely reach out to him. I love it. I love it. She's 98 years old now. Your mother is 98? Yep, she's 98. She'll be 99 in November. I'll be 70 in, in August if anybody wants to send me an expensive gift. I'm open to it. He takes gifts as well. <laughs> this has been so amazing. I have enjoyed you so much, Jeff. I'm going to give you an opportunity to leave any final words, anything that you may have wanted to cover and didn't have an opportunity. So any final words that you would like to leave with our viewers tonight, the floor is yours. Quit focusing on the handicap and start appreciating the gift. The you need to know that the least likely person can accomplish the most extraordinary things in a most unusual way. All that you can be, you can be. Remember, you're a masterpiece in progress. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. This has been amazing. I have enjoyed you so much. And family not a problem not a problem it was truly my pleasure and you are definitely family you're welcome back at keeper's place the keeper murder show anytime so anytime you have anything new upcoming anything you want to share definitely reach out to us we would love to have you join us back it's been my pleasure all right hang tight wow you guys wasn't this amazing? I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed our show tonight. And Jeff Steinberg, he is so near and dear to our hearts here at Keeper's Place. So again, I'm going to give you his contact information. Definitely reach out to him and get him booked. Get him booked. He have an extraordinary story and a message of just inspiration and empowerment. So definitely reach out to him and let him pour into your people, especially your young people. If you have young children, a youth group, let him pour into your young people because his message will stay with them for the rest of their lives, I assure you. So contact him again at 901-754-5333, which stands for Jeff, or you can reach him at 901-230, again, 5333. Schedule him on his booking site. You can go to booking at jeffsteinberg.net. And I did not show his website, uh, but you can also reach him at jeffsteinberg.net. 
That's his website, or you can go to tinygiant.com. So those are his contact information. You can find out more about him. I know our show was just an hour and it's hard to get everything in. So if you want to uh, definitely learn more about him, visit him on his website. Again, that's jeffsteinberg.net or you can visit tinygiant.com. Definitely tune in next week. We have two amazing segments next Tuesday. So next Tuesday, we will have our King's Corner segment. Again, this is our third King's Corner segment for the month where we will be interviewing Mr. James Zuli, who is the father of Eric Zuli, who is um, the father of our network owner, Mr. Eric Zuli. So definitely tune in next Tuesday night. It's going to be an amazing show and we're going to learn more about Mr. James Zuli. Then come right back next Thursday for our regularly scheduled program. I'm trying to see who do we have? Courtney Johnson. We will have author Courtney Johnson joining us next Thursday night. So we have a full week. So definitely tune in. Of course, you do not want to miss it. So um, you can now watch us on Pandora. We just picked up Pandora. So if you're interested in listening to us, you can now find us on Pandora as well as Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. So definitely tune in and listen to us there. And we are now found in the United Kingdom. So we we just thank all of our viewers, our fans, our supporters. We greatly appreciate your support and we're growing leaps and bounds, but we can't do it without you so thank you so much all right we are done for tonight so until next week family let's continue to share connect and glow because we understand that growing your net work grows your net worth so definitely come back and join us thank you for watching again peace and blessings family we love you all so until next week y'all take care thank you and good night Thank you for watching Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. Tune in every Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Kiever's Place. To be a guest on our show, text the word guest to 803-368-3030 or visit us at tinyurl.com slash Kiever's Place booking and watch us on apple tv roku and amazon fire as we're broadcasting more than 60 million homes worldwide